Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. I just want to give a little quick report. My name is Scott. I'm the youth pastor. And I uh, just want to let you know a few different things that God got up to over the weekend at Awaken Youth Camp. It was amazing. Really, really awesome. Uh, we saw one dude who's here tonight. I don't want, to, want to point him out because this is embarrassing. Gave his life to Jesus for the first time. This is awesome. And so we're going to be following up with him in just a moment. Uh, it's so, so, so exciting. We saw a few different healings. Um, one, one girl injured her knee in a game, of course, because we, we do games at youth camp. And, uh, and she walked away this morning just um, fully healed, which is great. Uh, we had an amazing time encountering God and His presence last night, but it was really different, to, to be honest. And it caught me off guard because I was like, where's that epic power? You know, just like the, you know, the shaking and the baking. And that was just different. It was this beautiful peace. And um, I think Maddie summarized it really well saying uh, this intimacy that she felt. And I think that was sort of across the board as well, which is awesome. And then we celebrated in the rain, of course, this morning with three baptisms, which was awesome. So good. Yeah, so Josh and Noah and uh, Robbie as well. So that awesome, amazing, and it was heaps of fun, of course. We're playing games and, and uh, yeah, no one died, which is great. So that's always good. Hey, tonight I want to encourage all of us all of us in this room with a vision for life with God. Vision for life with God. More than anything else, I want to encourage you guys to desire God and to be with Him for the rest of your life. Regardless of the situation, to find the presence of God in all that you do. So that's it. Sounds simple, hey? Uh, So it's pretty basic maybe. You're like, oh yeah, I've heard this before. But we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture, and we're going to look at mountaintop moments, number one. We're going to look at the valley of death, number two. We're going to look at, finally then, how to stay content in Christ all your life. So there it is. So firstly, mountaintop moments. For many of you guys in the room tonight, the youth, of course, uh, you guys have just come off an amazing weekend and uh, in many ways, this is sort of like a mountaintop moment. Um, you know, these are experiences in our life that really help us and, and form us into Jesus. God rocked up in power this weekend, maybe for a lot of you guys. And um, maybe you'd even be able to stand up here just like the other guys did and explain and, and sort of give out a bit of a testimony of what God did in your life, a revelation maybe of what you experienced of God's grace and love in your life. For many others in the room, you guys also might have mountaintop moments. Can you guys remember? Can you remember a mountaintop moment in your life? Maybe when you raised your hand at, at, at a you know, Billy Graham crusade or you came forward at the Youth Alive conference or maybe you were sitting in your room reading a Bible and God just did something in your life. These mountaintop moments, I mean, even 
like a few weeks ago at the 5 p.m. service. That was a mountaintop moment for me in my faith. Just like, I was just like with God and maybe for you guys as well. These mountaintop moments, they form us. They are formative moments in our life. They're amazing and they're, they're really good. They draw us close to God. His presence is really near and close. And you know, often um, it's where an outrageous amount of, I think, love is revealed, where God sort of rocks up in, in power. And so maybe you've been at sort of one of these moments. Mountaintop moments, um, often God will lead us up the mountain to experience Him for the, a particular reason. A few examples. Uh, Moses, you know, he's Old Testament sort of prophet and, and, uh, and, of, and of course, like uh, one of the leaders of the people of God. He is told, go up the mountain. Go up on top of the mountain and be with God. And when he's up on the mountain, that is where he hears the voice of the Lord. He's sort of looking at God face to face as if he was looking at a friend. And it's in that moment that he is given the, the law and he comes down the mountain. Later on, and then uh, 1 Kings 19, Elijah, he's also found up the mountain. Um, he does this awesome, like, fire, you know, coming down to the altar moment and saps up all the water, and it's amazing. And then he runs away. He's afraid. And then he is led up the mountain to find God. And God's not seen in the fire. God's not seen in the wind. God's not seen in the thunder. But instead, he's, he's heard in a still voice. Jesus also loved mountains. I don't know if you've noticed this. He constantly prayed on mountains. He taught on them. You know, think sermon on the... Well done. Good job, everyone. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's an account of what is called the transfiguration. And we're going to spend some time on this tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 9. And this is 28 through to 36. Luke chapter 9, 28 to 36. It's going to be up on screen, of course, and uh, you can follow along. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in the glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke to him about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his com companions were very sleepy. Some of you guys are really sleep, literally right now. I can see your eyes closed. Come on, guys, wake up. Um, <laughs> if, if, yeah, okay. Yep, your eyes are still closed. Um, okay. Um, sweet. We'll just keep going. Um, bless you. But um, they became fully awake. They became fully awake. No, okay. Uh, I'm done. They saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came through the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. 
The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. And the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met them. Okay, so there's absolute gold in here. If you've got a pen, you can write these down, a few different points. Firstly, Jesus takes up the mountain some of his mates, Peter, James, and John. And uh, this functioned a bit as like a witness, really. Um, where there's two or three, there's a a witness. And so you can sort of say, yeah, that actually happened because there's people who literally saw it. And uh, so that is sort of one thing to note. But um, he also took these guys, I think, to show a bit of what he was after. Jesus is not at all a lone ranger in his life. He is constantly followed and wanting to be seen, I think, in community. It was really important to him. And so encounters with God do not have to be individualized. Encounters with God do not have to be a personal sort of by yourself in a room encounter with God. We see here that Jesus, as his face shines, as he hears the voice of God, in fact, it's wow. Amazing. That's how loud the air conditioning is. But it's often in my life, I've felt like the Lord has come really close to me, not just when I'm reading my Bible or when I'm at home by myself, but when I'm in community. And so number one, Jesus takes Peter and James up the mountain. Secondly, he prays. Have you noticed that? I just read it out. But he prays. Jesus' appearance changes when he prays. Prayer. It's so powerful. It's in fact literally changing. Like it's, it's, it's miraculous. It transforms our lives. It changes our hearts. Martin Luther says, to be Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And so I'd encourage you, Get involved in the 24-7 prayer and fasting that's coming up. Thirdly, Jesus meets with Moses and Elijah. Did you notice that? And they chat about what brings to fulfillment in Jerusalem, about what Jesus was going to do. Moses, of course, represents the law. Did you notice that Moses is there on the mountain? And he is, in fact, like sort of one of the prophets that would uh, represent the law. He was the one who received it on the mountain. And secondly, Elijah. Elijah represents the prophets, major and minor prophets. And they chat about his death and his resurrection and how at Easter time, Jesus was not coming to abolish the law and to get rid of it, but in fact to fulfill it. And it's awesome because this is what they're, they're talking about. Fourthly, he hears the Father's voice. And this is so important. Have to listen to this one. Jesus is spoken to by the Father only twice in his ministry, audibly, just like Lockie heard. Oh my goodness. Only twice. Firstly, at his baptism. This is my son, in whom I love, and in whom I'm well pleased. And then here, on the mountain, he audibly hears the voice of the Father. Two messages Oh, sorry, two voices, one message. 
And it's all about his identity as a son. And so it's on the mountain where we hear the Father's voice and then find our purpose. Okay? And then finally, he comes down the mountain. Did you notice? Jesus knew that his life was not to be hidden away on a mountainside. Jesus knew that there was coming a day where he would have to come off the mountain because he didn't come to just sit on a mountain. He came to save. He came to seek out the lost. He came to heal. He came to teach. He came down the mountain and guess what? They were welcomed by a large crowd. Jesus intentionally comes down. It's because he knows that mountaintop moments are in fact momentary. And this is key because we cannot live on the mountain. We cannot live on the mountain. Literally our camp, guys, was if you didn't know, it was on a mountain. I think you would have seen that unless you were asleep on the way home, but there's an amazing like clouds and stuff. Did you guys see that on the way home? Yeah, amazing, right? Beautiful mountains. And I mean, some people live on the mountains in Mullaney or, or Montville. Like I think 10% of our world lives on some sort of mountain range, but only 10%. And I mean like, yeah, good on them. I think it would be a nice life, but we're not made to live on mountains. And Christians are not made to live on the mountain. It's not part of what God wants for us. God's plan from the beginning was to have His presence flow out and into the world through His followers, you and me. And all throughout the Old Testament and history, God showed us that His presence through encounters or, you know, Alex would tell you, theophanies, where God reveals Himself to an individual in a powerful way. He, he does these things. Encounters, they, they change us, they shape us, they mold us, but they're not to stay with us. They're in fact meant to progress the world. They're meant to change the world, reform the world. They're meant to sort of affect some part of our society, the church, and uh, our friends, our family. And so you see, encounter flows down. Encounter flows down. And when you think of a mountaintop moment, it should do a few different things in your life. Okay, again, if you want to write these down, these, these are some good things. Firstly, encounter with God. Firstly, it should lead to worship of God. It should lead to an overflowing desire to worship Him with our lives. It should also encourage you. I hope, guys, you guys this, this weekend have been encouraged in your own faith. Just like Lockie was sharing, man, I had these doubts and then I had an encounter with God and now I would, might be encouraged <laughs> in his faith. And thirdly, they release you to share your faith with others. Every mountaintop moment, every encounter that you have with God should flow down to the people around you. I mean, even personally, I so vividly remember Jan Camp, 2010, my youth leaders, Dave Cole, Glenn Wright, they pulled me out of the tent and they said, hey, can we just gently pray for you? And they started just pray. And then 
I sort of just lost my feet and, and was, ended up on the ground, fully awake, but just like, what just happened? That was just random. And as they prayed, they just were blessing me. And, and um, yeah, I don't know, that encounter just led me to worship God. I was like, that's bigger than me. And it's become one of the mountaintop moments in my life. And uh, it's definitely led me to pray for some of you guys or some other, you know, friends and family that they also would receive that, that they would know that. Encounter flows down. So let's get back to Jesus. Well, even Jesus came down the mountain. I mean, literally from the Mount Transfiguration. But check this out. Jesus himself, sort of metaphorically, picture this, came down the mountain. He left his glorious presence to be with us. He needed to have these mountaintop moments where he would hear the voice of God afresh. He would step into encounters with his presence, find new revelation, but he knew that his life and indeed his purpose for his life was not intended to be hidden away on a mountainside, just happy and, and stoked with his, his you know, father, this beautiful moment on a mountaintop. So he came down. Only a few moments later, we would find him not only walking around the town in the marketplace, healing people, but soon enough, we would find him in a valley. And it's not any old valley. For Jesus, it is the valley of death. In John 18, it says, when he had finished praying, again, Jesus praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed, and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because he had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came into the garden, um, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Betrayed by a friend. Jesus is confronted with a group of soldiers in a valley of death. Quite literally for him. He enters into a valley. And from here he would be taken, he'd be accused, he'd be mocked, he'd be stripped. And he would eventually be crucified on our behalf for the punishment that we deserved. He would eventually go to a wooden cross, dying a death for the very people who hung him there. And here we find that Jesus is very familiar with the valley. In fact, theologically, in many ways, Jesus came to us in a valley. He left the heavenly realms and he stepped down to be with us. He walked right into the darkest valley that the world has ever seen as he hung on the cross. 
And perhaps you have experienced a moment in your life that has felt just like Jesus, maybe. Felt like a bit of a valley of death. Maybe even tonight, you're literally sitting in that valley. And you're like, youth, can you stop moshing? Just chill out. I can't thank God. I'm in a valley. I remember a few years ago when I was, uh, we were heading to the United States, actually. We, uh, we had booked a trip to head to uh, Bethel Worship School, and it was going to be awesome. I was anticipating a mountaintop moment. I mean, you pay money, you buy the conference ticket, and you're over there for two weeks, and it's Bethel. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Amazing. And uh, so I had this expectation of a mountaintop moment. Weeks before, in the leader, there was a few things going on, just in family and then and at work, and, uh, and I was a little bit stressed, but it came to the point where I was like, cool, I got the tickets, we're going to the airport, let's go. Ended up arriving at the airport, and we did a bit of a holiday, you know, my wife and I, for a, a week, and, and it was fun, and we got to see a bit of America, and it was, it was a good time. We then entered into the conference in, uh, in hot California, and uh, I was expecting, like I mentioned, that mountaintop moment. It was three days into the conference, hearing some of literally the best worship I've ever heard, hearing from some of the most amazing Christian speakers around the world, just of their life and their history with God. And I was so sort of looking forward to it. And yes, I received, and yes, I was encouraged. But it got to day three of the conference, and I was sitting sort of around this area. And um, I was sitting next to, in fact, Pastor Nick. um, And uh, he was sitting next to me and during one of the worship times, uh, he just put his, his hand across and, and said, hey, man, can I just pray for you? Like, what's going on? We had a little chat. And, and then he just prayed and sort of prophetically, you know, sp- spoke something over me. And um, in that moment, I hadn't realized, but I was walking around with a valley. It felt like this heaviness, darkness. And I mean, I've never been sort of depressed, but I mean, it was like, oh, man, that heavy and uh and in that moment Delhi just prayed and uh praise God it just sort of left me in that moment so I was grateful for someone to reach out to pray for me that's for sure and praise God that he did something in my life and I believe and I have faith that he might want to do something similar in your life if you are experiencing that tonight. So Jesus is aware of what the valley looks like. He has been there. He is well acquainted with that. But praise God, Jesus didn't stay in the valley. I don't know if you know this. Of course, after being taken, after being put on the cross, he was buried. And then three days later, through resurrection power, was raised to life, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating Satan himself forever. So that's something to be pretty, pretty, pretty stoked about. You know what I mean? Like that's something to be happy about. And so while we don't live on the mountain, we don't, we don't live on the valley either. And yet both the mountain and the valley are important in, in a few different ways. They both, in fact, reveal, I believe, different aspects of what God's like. And, uh, and so on the mountain, remember, think about those mountaintop moments that you've had 
whether this weekend or whether salvation 40 years ago or whether just even two weeks ago, the 5 p.m. service, these moments, it's where God is close. It's where his presence is near. His voice is clear. And yet in the valley, God's presence seems distant. If we have doubts sometimes, our faith is tested. You know, the last two years, I feel like a lot of our faith has just been tested. Just like, really, oh, should we actually come back to church? Because, uh, well, maybe it's not even true. Maybe that's not even what we need to do. The world isn't, so maybe we don't need to. And maybe in, in many ways, the last couple of years, for a lot of us, has felt like this valley. But the truth is, God's presence never changes in our lives. That is the truth. The truth is God's presence never changes in our lives. You might say, but I don't feel him right now, but that's okay. Just because you can't feel him doesn't mean his presence is not there. We need to become more aware of his presence. We need to become more aware of his love, the glorious, outrageous love that he has for us. His presence never leaves and changes. I showed you tonight maybe that Jesus himself had to wrestle with mountains and the valleys. And while it is helpful, maybe some of you are thinking, well, that's all well and good about Jesus. He was God. He was like literally like God and, and, and human and, and so surely he can do it. What about me? You don't understand what I'm going through. We're just going to finish in sort of one main passage of Scripture. And we're going to look at the life of Paul very, very quickly. There's so much to say. It's impossible to fit into this sermon. I'm sorry. But having a mountaintop moment, Paul on the road to Damascus, Saul, in fact, on the road to Damascus, is encountered with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Jesus says, what are you doing, Paul? What are you doing, Saul? Why are you persecuting my church? And he sort of has this conversion experience or maybe this encounter with God and the person of Jesus. After that, he then becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. He plants churches. He goes on various missionary journeys all around the Mediterranean, the known world, sharing. Remember, worship precedes witness. We share our testimony as we go. And this is exactly what Paul did. He said, well, I, I had it all together, but Jesus met me. And even though I was an insider by the law, I became sort of changed upside down and I had to go and share what Jesus had done in my life. This is my testimony. And so he went. It says this, as he goes about these journeys. This is from a list in 1 Corinthians. It's insane. These are some of the valleys that Paul the wonderful Paul who wrote the majority of our New Testament. These are some of the things that he went through. Five times he received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, Danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, 
danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposed in exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for the churches. You see, Paul himself had been in a fair few valleys in his life. And you're thinking, well, I'm in a tough valley. I just don't know if we actually are in comparison. Anyway, so what's the secret? What is the secret to remaining committed to God's vision for Paul's life? How did he do it? What was, how can we learn from him? Did he keep looking back? to that mountaintop moment, just hoping and longing that we'd see Jesus face to face again. What was the secret? Later on in his life, writing in fact from prison, another valley, one would say, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you hear that? Paul learned He learnt from the mountain and through the valley how to be content in every situation, in every circumstance. The outside world, whatever was going on, whether he was on a mountain or in a valley, would not affect his faith, his devotion to Jesus. Why is it possible? Well, because the encounters that he had on the mountain with the person of Jesus. And then through the Holy Spirit's working in his life was enough. These were enough to sustain him. These were enough to hold him. The valleys of death that he faced were quickly turned into moments of trusting God remembering his faithfulness, looking back upon the mountaintop moments. Our God is the God of the mountain and the valley. Jesus himself, Jesus himself was fully God mountain and yet was fully human valley the person of Jesus the one that we worship follow try to be like you know adore have devotion towards he himself left the glorious presence of the father to be with us in our valley he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so I wanna encourage you tonight, if you are in a valley, He is acquainted with you. He is, he is almost with you in that valley. 
I want to encourage you in that because I know just from, I don't know, talking to people, some of my friends, myself personally, over the last few years, it has felt like a big old valley, not fun. We know from Scripture, from all that this Word is teaching us and and telling us that Jesus is acquainted with that valley. He, in fact, was tempted in every way. And so if you're in a valley, I believe tonight He wants to take you higher. And if you're on a mountaintop, youth, other people, people doing streams, people doing, or maybe, maybe streams of valley, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, but maybe, you know, just God is doing something in our midst right now as a church. I really do believe that. And so maybe we're on this mountaintop moment. He is with us. And I want to encourage us, those who are literally youth, going to school tomorrow. I want to encourage you guys, leaders who've been praying and seeing God work throughout the weekend. I really want you guys to surrender your life afresh tonight, just like Pastor Nick was sort of going after earlier on. And this looks like following Jesus with our entire lives. The reality is, you cannot live on the mountain. The air's too thin for us. That is a place sacred for God. And that is good. Because God knew in His wisdom that He would use us down off the mountain to share, to go, to witness, to reveal the great love of the Father. We have to go to school, youth. You have to socialize. You have to eat. Like you have to just do human things. And so this is really good for us that we don't live on the mountain. Yes, we have moments on the mountain, but they exactly are that momentary. They're not there to be lived upon. So how do you commit to following Jesus when you come down the mountain? A few things just to finally encourage us. We gotta spend time in the quiet with God. We have to. This is so central to our faith. It's really hard to be a Christian if you do not spend time with God. And that's simply like five minutes, just praying or reading scripture by yourself, spending time in devotion to God. Find a spot, a chair, a moment in your day, a chapter of the Bible to read, to reflect on, to spend time in the stillness. Secondly, prayer, we have to do this. And I love how prayer is just stirring up at the moment over probably years, I guess, but I I just feel like in our midst, we gotta commit a time slot just to pray. And again, 24 seven prayer and fasting is coming up in a few weeks time. Two weeks, maybe, one week, I can't remember, but pray, yeah. I encourage you guys to jump in and commit. And this final one is random, but uh, it's not random, but it's different to what I've been talking about. But I really want to encourage all of us. If you are on a mountaintop right now, the final thing I want to encourage you with is to attend church. I know, doesn't seem revolutionary, but this is one of the best ways you can resist the world right now by committing to a local church. I don't... I mean, I care if it's River Life, but, but just find a church, find a real church and commit 
into a church, family of believers, following and pursuing God, wholeheartedly worshipping, doing something with their lives. It's one of the strongest ways we can commit to God and resist the world. So whether that's youth, 5pm, youth church, um, yeah, find a church, spend some time with people that you trust. So whether, whether you're on the mountain or the valley, I feel like God wants to do something. And I feel like He wants to reveal to us that we might be content in all situations, no matter whether we're on the top or the bottom, whether we're in the valley of death or the mountaintop right now, that we might find God's presence and be with Him. Encounter flows down and it really, really should meet the needs of our world. And... Uh, as I was preparing, I just felt like we're going to do something. And um, so I'd, I'd love you guys to all stand. And, and as we do, for those of you guys who are in a valley, I want to encourage you. In fact, if you're on a mountain, I don't care. Do, do this as well. But I'd like to call forward, particularly the youth right now, to come down the front. If you feel like you received something this weekend. Okay, so... So anything that you're like, wow, God showed me something, revealed something. I had an encounter with God. Uh, just come down right now. Come down right now. Uh, God just showed me something or just did something in my life that maybe hasn't been there before. Come on down, come on down. Keep coming a little bit closer, all the way to the stage. Well done. Great, great, great. Now I want you guys to turn around because these guys are the prayer ministry team tonight. In the Bible, just as Jesus sends out the disciples, He says, freely you have received, now freely give. By the way, youth, you can still come down if you want to be the prayer team now. Um, so just, just make your way down. But freely you've received, now freely give. These guys have not done training. That was not part of our, our, our sort of camp, by the way. Um, but they've received something from God. That's why they came forward. They've received something that, that God revealed to them. And they've now... I'm, I'm hoping we'll have a childlike faith to be able to just release that over you. And I guess I'm praying and hoping that God lines up whatever they receive with whatever you might need to receive. So if you're a parent, I'd really encourage you, go find your child. If you are a uh, youth leader and, you know, feel free to come forward and receive prayer yourself. And if you're in the valley tonight, come and find someone there might be prayer team members as well if you don't want to go to them. But come and come receive prayer because I believe that God might want to do something miraculous tonight. And often, isn't it, isn't it right that, that often that these young guys and even the young adults are the ones being prayed for by the older generation tonight? I just want to see what God does as we flip the tables a little bit and have childlike faith pray over our congregation, over the valleys that we're in. So why don't we just pray? Youth, you guys can start to pray for God to sort of speak to you guys and through you guys. Everyone else, why don't we just open our, our hands up and open our hearts up to what God might want to do through us. Thank you, God, that no matter where we are in our faith with you, whether we are a day Christian, whether we are 50 years in our faith, whether we're on the mountaintop having moments of encounter with You, 
or whether we are in a deep valley, in fact, a valley of death where we cannot see the way out. Lord, I thank You that Your presence does not change. Lord, our awareness might, but Lord, You in Your love and in Your kindness never leave, never forsake, never will. So God, right now, through the power of Your Holy Spirit at work, just as we're sharing and revealing all the love of God, just as we're talking about the God who would leave the heavens to come to us in Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus. God, right now, I pray that for anybody who is in a valley, Lord, that they might see a way out tonight, just as they step forward in faith, just as they lean out their hand in prayer. God, I pray that You would answer them, reveal to them, all that You have for them, God. And Lord, for the rest of us, maybe who's on a mountain, who, who may not even need prayer right now, God, I pray You would help us to find You every single moment, every single day. And so right now, we recommit ourselves to You, Jesus. We recommit our lives to You, God, knowing, Lord, that You want to do immeasurably more through us than I can even see, all that we can a dream of, even that we can imagine. And so God, right now, I pray You would restore to us just even a desire to see You at work in our everyday, not just on the mountain, not just up high in the heavens, but God, every single moment in the marketplace, in our schools, in our universities, in our friendships and families. Lord God, I pray that You would help us to see Your presence at work, leading and guiding, restoring to us all that You have for us, God. So Holy Spirit, we invite You afresh. We invite You into this space. And God, right now for anyone who's just, yeah, feels the prompting, just start to come forward. Start to come forward and the band's gonna play and these guys are gonna worship. And just as you come forward, I I just hope and I just know actually that God is gonna answer prayers tonight. For He's not just the God of the mountain, He is the God of the valley and is acquainted with the valley. And He wants to show His presence through every little bit of our lives. So as we respond tonight, come on forward, receive prayer, and uh, we'll see where God takes us. That'd be good. Great. Thanks for worship team. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.